Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's too lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' as Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're going to continue our in-depth dive into the investigators that have been released so far, class by class. For our second episode in this series, we're going to be talking about the Seekers of Arkham. Hey, it's the best class! Hooray! You couldn't win the game without them, folks. Mm, yeah, well... Well, I guess, I guess when the game came out, you couldn't. Well, we've we've done so on a on a couple of occasions because we, we've done monocolored runs through a couple of campaigns now. But it's harder. You got to think a little bit. You got to be creative. That is true. Seeker, you don't really have to be creative. You just get all the clues. I mean, when this game came out, and even in the Dunwich Legacy and in into Carcosa, like you needed a seeker on your team. Especially, I mean, it was kind of at the point where in a lot of these situations, it felt like in a four player game, you kind of needed a Rex. Yeah, or, exactly. Or something, something close to that. Uh, and yeah, that's definitely changed. We've seen some of the other classes get to, uh, if not parity at getting clues, you know, at least they have quite a few more options than they used to. So that's pretty cool. And uh, and we should say, so for each of these investigators, there are seven seekers so far, thanks to uh, one of them that was has been kind of pre-released only in the the novellas. For each of these investigators, we're going to try to answer these questions: What is their greatest strength? What is their greatest weakness? Uh, meaning not just their unique weakness, but sort of more generally, what are they bad at? What kind of roles can they play in a group or on their own? What are some of their favorite cards? And what movie would they star in? So we'll try to answer those questions for each of these seven investigators. Let's start it, guys. Right, so our our first seeker, uh, way back from the corset, is Daisy Walker, the librarian. So Daisy has uh, three will, five intellect, and two each combat and agility, and she gets an additional action during each of her turns, but she can only use it to activate abilities on tome cards. And uh, her deck building options are she has all seeker cards and then up to level two mystic cards. And her unique card is Daisy's tote bag, which is an asset, an item asset, which gives her two additional hand slots that can only hold tomes. And her weakness is the Necronomicon, which is an asset that takes up a hand slot. While it's in play, uh, the Elder Sign turns into a tentacle token, an autofill token, and uh, she can get rid of it by basically spending actions to move uh, horror from the Necronomicon to herself. So this was the Daisy was the first seeker released, and I think she's still quite strong, um, mostly because her stats are pretty good. Like having five uh, intellect is, is is a great place to start from, right? Yeah, for sure. And three will isn't necessarily bad either. Yeah, definitely. So Daisy's very good at just investigating because of that five intellect. I also, I like her a lot because having that extra action each turn just really kind of opens up some possibilities to do some fun stuff. One of the downsides to playing a seeker is that it often feels like the correct way to play a seeker in the sense of, you know, advancing your position in the game as much as possible is really just to spend almost all of your actions investigating. So it can feel a little bit monotonous sometimes. With Daisy, though, you kind of have at least one action each turn that you get to spend doing other things because you can only use it to activate books. And there's, you know, when the game first came out, it was mostly like Old Book of Lore and Encyclopedia were kind of like the main options. 
We've seen some more books get released recently that have kind of opened things up a little bit. So you kind of have a choice of like, which books am I going to play? What is the right number to play in my deck? Um, how am I going to get the most out of Daisy's ability? I think that's like a, a fun way to, to build a deck. Yeah, it definitely differentiates her from the other Seekers in that she wants to play like book tribal almost. Having five intellect is a really great boon for her because if she had four, I'd think it's, she'd be not nearly as... Exciting to play because you'd still need your magnifying glasses, you'd still need your uh, Dr. Milan, but now you can splash into Mr. Rook, you can use old books of lore, you can use encyclopedia, and it's it's just a very different flavor from a lot of the other Seekers who can't necessarily use that to great benefit because Daisy gets the extra action. Yeah, that's the thing about Daisy, she probably isn't going to play magnifying glasses or fingerprint kits because she kind of needs her hands to hold books. Right. At least until she gets her special card out. Yeah, although two is a lot to pay for that. It often feels like it's not really worth putting magnifying glasses into your deck if you're going to need to find your one copy of the tote bag to play them. Yeah, that is a good point. I think also, yeah, her um, her weakness is kind of annoying to deal with, mostly because, I mean, the fact that it makes the Elder Sign into an autofail isn't great, but just the fact that it takes up a hand slot and it can destroy one of your books that you're holding when you draw it is also very annoying to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's a course that investigator, right? And they kind of all have pretty terrible weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they, I mean, we, we've definitely seen later investigators like Min also have very bad weaknesses, but I think that the corset, pretty much across the board, they had much rougher weaknesses than we've seen since then. With the exception of Skids, but I think the weakness in <laughs> Skids' weakness is that the investigator is actually the weakness. <laughs> yeah, Skids, Skids being Skids is a, is a pretty serious weakness. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I like Daisy a lot. I think former, before uh, before a recent event that occurred in the last few months, I would have said she was my favorite Seeker. Now she's probably number two, but I still like her. I still enjoy playing her. She also, we didn't even really talk about this, but she gets um, up to level two Mystic cards is very relevant because that means she can play Upgraded Ward of Protection, which is fantastic. Yeah, deny existence too. Yep, and uh, she can also play. There's some other relevant cards too. Like she can play. Um, I guess she could play time warp if she wanted to. In lower player counts, she might want to be using like a shriveling or something, so have a way to defend herself. Yeah, there, there you go. She can play like the key of Saint Hubert to boost both her intellect and will, and then play like shriveling maybe. Um, although you know she can also just play uh, strange solution and stuff like that. Mind over matter. Read the bones is also really good for her now. Yeah, there's also um, that new, I can never remember the name, and I feel bad because I like it so much, but that new purple book that came out in um, The Search for Kadath, that's the uh, Draw 3, Discard 1 tome. Oh yeah, The Scroll of Prophecies. Is, yeah, it's it's great for Daisy, and it's because she can use Mystic cards that that's a, that that's a deck building option. The only thing I would, I would say is if you're building a Daisy deck, just don't go overboard for the books. You want maybe like four to five books in your deck uh or maybe like four plus a research librarian to find them because you know you can only hold two at a time and you can only use daisy's ability once per turn you really just want to have enough books that you're able to pretty reliably get um a benefit out of her ability you don't need you don't want to have like 10 books in your deck knowledge's power is kind of a cool card that has for a while been kind of latent and we didn't initially think that it was incredible in a lot of ways but for daisy specifically it might be a cool include as like a one of because you get to use if you do have a few books like medical texts or like old book of lore or anything that has like secrets on it like the new one that we were just talking about scroll of prophecies it'd be a really good way to to sneak that out and get a charge out of it before even using it as a fast action yeah it's kind of a neat ability that she has 
So I think um, so. We we basically talked about Daisy's greatest strength is just having a strong intellect and being able to play Mystic cards, and also her ability giving you basically an extra action is very good. I think her weakness card Necronomicon is pretty annoying. Uh, are there any others that we can think of? She doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. Low base combat and agility means she's pretty susceptible to uh, enemies or uh, agility based treacheries. She has to either have cards in her deck to be able to help deal with enemies or always be standing on top of a, a fighter or friend uh, in multiplayer. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true of a lot of these Seekers. She's a very classic. Like, she's definitely like the classic needs a guardian with her to fend off things or, or a fighter who can deal with enemies and things because there are some really spooky things that she probably won't be able to get away from very easily. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that five health is kind of a dangerous stat line for anybody, five health or san- sanity for that matter. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Yeah. It's one thing to get like hit from arrows from the trees and basically be dead on the next arrows from the trees. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think that the fact that like the mystic cards help shore that up with deny existence, still it's a little dangerous though. Yeah. She has to be really careful. So I, I think with all that in mind, the, the type of role that she can play, she can be your your primary investigator, your primary clue finder in, in a group easily. She also works pretty well in a duo with like a single other, you know, person. Like she doesn't need to be in only like a four player group. I haven't tried Daisy in solo. I actually think it might not be totally horrible if you get like um, Melteroni, that new book that lets you like discard encounter cards, including enemies in play, things like that. Like th- there might be ways to do it, but she's not naturally a solo investigator, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. Yeah, she's she's probably one of the harder characters to play in solo. Yeah. Speaking of not playing very much solo, but <laughs> <laughs> not having to find ways to make her deal with enemies is the struggle there, right? Right. Yeah. And I think her her favorite cards we've mentioned already for books, there's, um, you know, the the Scroll of Prophecies, Old Book of Lore, kind of like standard books that just you want to use every turn, things like Encyclopedia that help you do additional stuff. Uh, Really, any book that has an action activated ability on it is probably something that she would at least consider using. Yeah, Dream Dyer is a new one. That's good. And maybe Research Librarian to find those as well. Yeah, for sure. Oh, then there's also the Occult Lexicon, which is extremely good. Which one is that? The lexicon is the uh, the bonded one that searches for three bonded. Oh, the the Bloodrite book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood Bloodrite, the the novelization. Yeah, that one is good, although it doesn't have an action icon on it. Yeah. Well, technically, she can still use the mystic side of her to find spells, like if she has arcane initiates. Yeah, yeah. If you were doing some kind of like spell synergy, then then Bloodrite would work well for that. And she does, I, I guess, if you're hoping to find the Daisy's tote bag and play that and have extra slots, and that would help to hold the the uh, occult lexicon as well as. Other other books yeah yeah and, and it is a good card yeah for sure so for the movie that we thought daisy could star in this was difficult because uh as other people have commented on in the past there are multiple uh scared book ladies amongst the investigators <laughs> of arkham <laughs> of which daisy is certainly yeah daisy is certainly one well there's three in the card game there's there's more dane yeah yeah there's there's definitely more um so daisy is certainly one there's another one we're going to talk about later it's a little bit hard to distinguish them but we, for Daisy, we picked the uh, 1990s animated film or semi-animated film, The Page Master, starring Macaulay Culkin, which I have not seen. Dane, can you tell us a little bit about your experience uh, watching The Page Master as a little little baby Dane in, in the early 90s? <laughs> this movie came out when I was like four, I think, and I watched it when I was like six or seven. We had those like big, like chunky, like Disney movie boxes. Oh, I love those. I remember... The guy from Back to the Future, what's his name? Christopher Lloyd. Yes, Christopher Lloyd is is in the movie. 
and Macaulay Culkin gets stuck in a library due to being reined in. Ah, just like where Daisy works. And he, something happens to where he, like, falls into the realm of books and, like, all this magical fantasy stuff happens to him. And at the end, he just wants to read books all the time. It's terrifying. He discovers the power of reading, which actually is a terrible lesson for kids to learn. Never, kids don't read <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, very bad. It only, it only leads to terror and uh, disaster in, in the Lovecraft universe. But yeah, we, we couldn't really think of a, an actually good movie that was about uh, librarians. So we, we went with the page master because it's, it's just kind of on that reading theme. Yeah. And Daisy's like the most cut and dry librarian. There's nothing else going on with her. She just loves books, 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 books all day. So so check out the page master or don't. Uh, either way is is probably fine. <laughs> is it a Disney movie? It's probably on Disney Plus. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. It's not a Disney movie. It's oh. like a like trying to compete with Disney kind of. A movie. Oh, then it's probably lost uh, time. Yeah, it's on Disney minus, which is the <laughs> streaming service for like almost Disney movies that no one remembers because they were mostly bad. <laughs> listeners i would subscribe to disney minus if it existed uh but for now let's move on to our next investigator all right so our next investigator is rex murphy the reporter uh he's got relatively average stats uh it's peak being a four and int and his ability is when you skill uh investigate test by two or more you get to discover a clue at your location his deck building is secret cards neutral cards and then up to five cards from any other class level zero cards from another class and of course, he's not allowed to have any fortune cards because he's so unlucky. Of course. And then his, uh, his special cards are Search for the Truth, which uh, is an event that commits for a bunch of intellect or one wild. That's you draw X cards where X is the number of cards, number of clues in Rex Murphy. I don't even remember what this does because I don't... Or as I call it, uh, Clue Sun Zenith. Yeah, it's, it lets you draw a bunch of cards. Pretty, pretty <laughs> it's an right. insight. <laughs> uh, and then his... Uh... <laughs> what? It's an insight? Yeah. I, well, it's a neutral card that's an insight. Yeah. And then his uh, weakness is his Rex's Curse, which uh, is a card that goes in his threat area. And every time he would succeed at a skill test, he has to draw another token. And that he keeps having to do that until this effect makes him fail a test. And then it gets shuffled back into his deck. It is extremely annoying. Before we even get into Rex, can we just say this weakness is, it's not even that it's like terrible. It's not great, but it's just the fact that it makes you draw two tokens and you always forget that you have it. And you're like, oh, I succeeded. And then you start doing stuff and then, oh, crap, I have to go back and draw another token. And it sticks, it sticks around for a long time if you're doing tests that you, like, you generally either expect to like pass or fail. It's not going to make the difference very often, so it just stays out. And then you finally get rid of it, it goes back in your deck, and then you immediately draw it again. That's usually <laughs> what happens. Yep. I think Rex, as an investigator, needs to come with the warning on the end that says, Warning, players who pick Rex Murphy will, on average, take 5 to 10 minutes longer in any given campaign <laughs> because of the fact that they have to deal with rex's curse yeah pretty pretty much. it's not necessarily a horrible thing but it's so unbelievably annoying yeah so for so, so strengths for rex i remember when he came out we had we'd been playing elder chore a lot before the card game and he was like the worst <laughs> investigator in elder chore he was incredibly bad to the point where we like banned colin from playing him in elder chore <laughs> Colin loved playing him cause, just because of how bad he was. Yeah, because Colin loved loved Rex and he was so terrible. He started with a curse or something in Elder Horror, which is incredibly bad. Yeah, if you've never played Elder Horror or the original <laughs> Arkham Horror, being cursed is incredibly terrible. Yeah, like it cuts your yeah. odds of success in half, effectively. Oh yeah, I thought he can only succeed on sixes, period. Basically. But whenever he fails, he gets to focus something. Yeah, like if you haven't if you haven't played those games, there was a, a thing that could happen to you called being cursed, which is so bad it makes you just want to suicide your character and draw a new one. And Rex's <laughs> Rex's like fun, unique mechanic was that he just started with that in play. So really, really cool, really neat. But he could never get rid of it. 
Yeah. It was part of his design. No, he couldn't. He couldn't get rid of it. He could get rid of it for like one turn, and if he started a turn and he wasn't cursed, he got it back or something. He got an item that let him kind of like work around it a little bit, but it did not work as well as just not being cursed. <laughs> anyway, for, for the card game, though, uh, he's very, very powerful. Yeah. His ability lets him get two clues, potentially, with every action. And if he's pumped up his intellect enough, especially on lower difficulties, it was like very easy to accomplish. Yeah. To the point where they put him on the taboo list. They mutated it so he can only do that once per turn. Well, and it's interesting It's interesting how and when that happened, too. Because I think shortly after Rex came out in, you know, the first deluxe box after the core set in, like, early 2017, this became, like, the deck where you'd play Rex and higher education and burglary. And you could get you could get enough money with burglary that you could just and 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 with Doctor Milan Christopher you could just always spend a little bit of it on higher education you could like always succeed by two or more you would just get so many clues and it it was pretty ridiculous and I think that our play group at least I think maybe other people did this too we pretty much like stopped playing Rex just because it was almost too good and it kind of made the game too easy like long before it yep. actually got tabooed that is his greatest flaw he's very boring <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah he's he's too good at getting clues and like his deck building isn't super interesting if you're trying to build him as like a straight seeker so a, a big a big swing from the elder Torah days from being the worst yeah. character in the game to like definitely the best oh yeah 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 but post taboo rex still like strong like still a good ability and yet not really overpowered like it's it's much more interesting now and it, it encourages you i think to kind of like push him a little bit in the direction of the like succeed by two or more cards yeah because he can play like five non-seeker cards he can play like cigarette case if you want you can play like some other cards that uh give you some kind of benefit for succeeding by two and you can try to go all in on that strategy like i think that's pretty cool i think rex is actually a lot of fun now can he play cigarette case it's not a fortune it's not (laughs) (laughs) i know it's weird right i mean He's just incredibly good. Even just doing this once per turn is fantastic. I think that getting four clues in in a turn for three tests is so much better than getting three clues for three tests. And it's so easy to do this, even though he kind of suffers from having four intellect. It's like not that hard because you can just run magnifying glasses to help boost, or you could even run um, fingerprint kits too to help you get there and get three clues in an action. It's pretty great. Yeah, and it's just excellent action compression to get that extra clue. Even if he's not spending the whole turn investigating, if he investigates once per turn, he gets two clues and he can do other stuff like move or exactly beat an enemy or whatever. Yeah, I think yeah. the last time I tried to make a Rex deck, I was going for the kind of like try to investigate only once per turn but get a whole bunch of clues from it. So I think I played... Um, What's the upgraded glyphs or something where um, if you get an extra clue for each two you succeed by or something like that? Yeah, Guiding Stones, I think it is. Yeah, I, I think I was playing, I, or I don't know if I actually played the deck, but I like made it on ArkhamDB. It was like Guiding Stones and maybe even like Fieldwork, I think I maybe even used, but just anything to try to get your intellect as high as possible. And the goal was like, I'm only going to investigate once per turn, but I'm going to get like five clues if there's five clues. Yeah, I played it through one of our um, Circle Undone runs, mm. and it turned out to be incredibly good. <laughs> <laughs> Even investigating once and getting like six clues is, is great. Yeah. So I, I, I like where Rex is at now, where I think he's a very good investigator, as pretty much all the Seekers are. I think he's even better than average for a Seeker, but he's no longer just like clearly the best possible choice, gets you all the clues you'll ever need. It's It's more of like a healthy balance now. Yeah. One thing I did want to mention about Rex is his his Elder Sign is probably the most unique in the game in that it gives him a static good effect. It gives him a plus two, which is pretty solid. It makes you, it helps you pass a lot of things. 
And then it also says you may instead choose to automatically fail this skill test to draw three cards, which is a really interesting effect when paired with his curse. Uh, sometimes he can, when he redraws, he can choose to fail, draw three cards, and shuffle away his curse. Yeah, no, that's that's one of the better Elder Signs in the game, just because it helps you even if you draw it randomly on a test that you don't need to pass, which you often, you're, you're testing a bunch just to investigate, right? If you're going to investigate and you, well, okay, I succeeded, I could get a clue, or I could just fail and get three cards, that's a nice choice to have. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. So I, I think what we've been saying is uh, biggest strength, just getting an extra clue per turn is very strong. Even if you only get to do it once per turn, that's really cool. Greatest flaw, annoying weakness, and only having four intellect, I guess? Is that... Pretty yeah. straightforward. Pretty straightforward. We should also mention for a strength, the flexibility of having five off-color cards is pretty cool. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I was just going to say that was a, a flaw, is that he's limited to mostly Seeker cards, except for these five off-slot zeros, which I don't know how much he can do. There, there's some interesting stuff, like the Burgerly combo, but... Uh... Yeah, I, I think we often see um, we often see like green cards getting played as his kind of uh, off class card, so he kind of feels like an off class uh, rogue almost a little bit, even though he's not. I think he'd run around with a fire axe or something dumb too, you know, burglary <laughs> yeah, fire axe. I don't know. And and yeah, for what type of role? Really, um, you know, multiplayer dedicated clue finder is really what you want to do with Rex, right? Yeah, I agree. I think while the the Dunwich Five does give him that flexibility, a little bit of flexibility, it's unless you splash all rogue cards that help you stay away from things like slip away and things like that, it's going to be really tough for you to be, be self-sustaining until you get your Meltzeronis online and stuff like that. For favorite cards, so the, the already mentioned Lucky Cigarette case, other good cards that reward you for succeeding by two or more, Archaic Glyph's Guiding Stones is the foundation of a, a very good Rex deck that we've seen in the past. I think other than that, like his ability just works with all the stuff that Seekers normally want to do, so you don't really need to like throw in a whole bunch of specific stuff just for him notably burglary is is one of those that's really works really well with him because no matter what if he succeeds on an on an investigation he'll get the three resources and a clue from his ability which is really cool it is true although I, he needs to he would need to have a way to spend all that money which um with higher education now being eight xp you know you if you can spend that much xp on a higher education then i'd probably play a burglary but if you don't have that outlet you might not need it and lastly, okay, so uh, what movie would, would Rex star in? So this was a little bit tough because <laughs> we went for like, we were thinking of movies about journalists, uh, like All the President's Men or something like that. Uh, but that didn't quite feel right. I think Dane, Dane eventually suggested Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which, uh, which is about a journalist, sort of. It is about uh, exploring a, a strange world filled with uh, monsters and terrifying things. Um, although whether that's because they actually exist or just because you're tripping balls is, uh, you know, <laughs> and, uh, I think, uh, I think Johnny Depp honestly even looks a little bit like, uh, Rex maybe. Is that right? It's an easy substitute. I think that'd work. Yeah. So fear and loathing in Las, in Las Vegas, that's our pick for, uh, the movie that Rex would star in. I agree. I think, I think Johnny Depp would play a pretty cool Rex Murphy. <laughs> yeah. On to the next one. For sure. Yep. Let's talk about Min T fan, the secretary. She has... Four will, four intellect, and then two combat and agility. She has an interesting ability that says, Trigger, after an investigator at your location commits a card to a skill test, that card gains a wild icon until the end of the test. Limit once per investigator per round. She has seven health, seven sanity. And then sometimes with her elder sign, she can, well, all the time with the elder sign, she can choose a skill card to commit it to a skill test and return it to its owner's hand. Deck size, standard 30. Deck building options. 
uh, are Seeker cards, level 0 to 5, Neutral cards, 0 to 5, Survivor cards, level 0 to 2. And then her signature card is Analytical Mind, uh, which allows her to commit a card to each skill test performed by an investigator at another location. And then as a trigger to that, after you commit exactly one card to a skill test, you exhaust Analytical Mind and draw one card. And also commits for two wild. Um, costs three to play. It's an asset. Does not take up any slots. And then her weakness is the king in yellow. Act one. It is an asset that comes into play, takes up a hand slot. Revelation, you put it into play. Cannot leave play except through the triggered ability below. You cannot commit exactly one or two skill cards to the skill test. Or any skill test. Triggered ability. After a skill test is successful in which Minty Fan has committed at least six matching skill icons for that test, discard the king in yellow. So I, I remember when Min first came out, we originally thought that she was probably not very good, largely because her weakness is very, very difficult and annoying. And I think gradually over time, we've come to realize that Min actually is kind of strong, but her weakness is definitely really, really difficult and annoying. Um, is that is that more or less right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You can have a you can have a really good time with Min committing cards, drawing a lot of cards. She turned out to be kind of like it's not immediately obvious just by looking at her, but she's actually really great at drawing cards, largely because of analytical mind and just because seekers are good at that anyway. But uh, yeah, it's just really tough because drawing a lot of cards just means that you see King and Yellow like multiple times per scenario. So that can be that can, that can be pretty tough. It's horrible. It completely <laughs> turns you offline because like. I'm sure that there's some very, very high percentage of the time when you're committing cards to skill tests that you're committing exactly one or two. Yeah. It's like 98% of skill tests, I'm sure, like are, are one or two cards. That's like you basically don't commit anything to anything. <laughs> I mean, it's the entire point of weakness is it shuts her down, right? <laughs> but is it really, I, I'm not sure if I've ever actually played min or if I have, it hasn't been in a while, but is it really, it just seems like you could just play like a couple of cards with question marks on them. Like you just play Inquiring Minds and... Is it really that hard to just have three cards that have matching icons and do like three cards with book icons investigate or like three cards with will icons do a treachery? Is it really that hard? Not that hard, but it really depends upon what's happening, you know, at the time of the game when you draw it. Because sometimes like it's a critical point where you need to investigate three times or something like that. And you just can't like her, her base four intellect sometimes just doesn't allow her to do what you need to be doing. Whereas somebody like Daisy would be able to do that with not as much struggle. She would need at least like a tarot card and a magnifying glass to just succeed pretty, pretty often against high shroud and, and regular shroud, like shroud three places, I think. Her deck's building is definitely designed around like you were expecting to commit a card to like every test, like to, to boost her stats, right? For sure. Yeah. So when that's blocked out, it's it's rough. And there's also like not... There's not that many good cards that have multiple question marks on them. Yeah, it's true. And you also have to like have those in hand. It I don't know, it, it, it can get awkward. The other thing is that the Survivor subclass allows her to delve into a lot of really good things. But those really good things, like Fortuitous Discovery and Winging It, both don't have symbols on them at all. So it's like a really big trade-off. If, if you want to run those really good cards for investigating, you have to like figure out how you're going to do that with the king in yellow just completely choking up everything i mean i think that that's the thing is you really just should not play cards in min that don't have symbols on them or you should maybe play like one winging it or something if you think it's going to be worth it but you just shouldn't play cards like that what you should do maybe though the, the one exception would be like drawing thin oh, drawing thin actually has a will icon on it right yes it does 
Yeah, but but uh, but I mean, like that's part of the reason that we say Min is this like crazy card drawing agent is because she's one of the few seekers that can also play drawing Finn, in addition to analytical mind and other things. But yeah, no, she's she definitely is strong though. Like just that basic ability to add an extra question mark icon to um to cards that are committed, it's annoying to keep track of because you kind of have to remember each investigator in the in the group separately. But uh, it is that is pretty good. It's just an extra symbol whenever you need it. It's it's definitely has the potential to be one of the biggest upsides, I think, of, of the Seekers. Yeah, we uh, we should also mention. So Min is Min and Carolyn are kind of like the two closest examples to people sometimes talk about having like a support archetype of like, I'm going to make a deck where I'm not really able to do very much, but I'm very good at like helping other people in the group. And I think like Carolyn, that can be a good like sub theme for Min, but you still need to be able to get clues as well, right? Like you need to have getting clues as at least at least like an equal focus to like committing cards to people because the committing cards thing is great. It's just that you also need to have something to do when nobody really needs cards, you know? Yeah. So I guess like looking at a role, uh, that's what you're saying with support is a potential build, but she like she's like one of the better seekers in solo, right? Just because she has access to survivor, which is a lot of very strong solo cards both for like defensive stuff and like covering yourself when you fail and obviously she didn't get the fail package to help with card draw and resource gain right she's definitely more versatile than daisy in terms of like making up for her deficit of two agility and two combat for sure because of survivor cards yeah do you uh if you play min in solo do you even do you even play analytical mind or do you just commit it commit it because I mean, like drawing a card when you commit exactly one card is great, but you don't ever actually need the other part of the card, right? And it is three resources to play. Uh, I would think it would depend on how early you get it, but yeah, three resources in an action is is pretty costly, and yeah, in solo, much more significant than in multiplayer. But so we we basically already talked about this stuff. So greatest strength, I guess we would say her ability and being able to draw lots of cards, being able to play survivor cards are all pretty strong weaknesses um so king and yellow is just really 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 bad also not having not having five intellect is i guess that's not that bad a weakness but it's worth mentioning and then yeah for role she can definitely get a lot of clues she can also have this kind of like secondary supporting role that is very good so what what are some of min's favorite cards i think we've we've talked about a couple of them but what are what are some of min's favorite cards some cool cards that she can run uh that others can't run because they're not as efficient without an extra icon are really uh, worth talking about. Oh, yeah. Like True Understanding, for example, is I think it's generally become a better card now with with more people with higher will. But um, like her four will with just a True Understanding committed gets her to six with her ability if you choose to use it on that, which is really great. And it gives you gives you an actionless uh, clue. Other things like Eureka might be really good because they pose three of five or three of four symbols that you could use um, on things. And it gives you an extra one of those symbols with her ability, which is really good. Yeah, it's like almost it's like almost a wild icon. Right, exactly. Kind of like a pseudo wild. That's a good point. I think with Min, you de- almost everything that you play in your deck should have icons on it. And if possible, they should have question marks or multiple icons so that you can commit it to try to get rid of the king in yellow when you need to. Right. But also, yeah, it's like you were saying, you know, Eureka normally is probably not a card I would play in other secret decks apart from for Mandy. But with Min, it becomes like a double icon of any of the icons that are printed on it. So that's pretty, pretty good, actually. Yeah, exactly. There's also I, I really like Grizzly Totem. Um, I used to not like it a lot with her, but I think that it kind of poses if you get the upgraded um, Seeker one. It can be pretty good with how uh, she's how even more she can draw. Um, it basically is a second. It's almost a second analytical mind in a sense. 
Yeah. Two other cards I want to mention really quickly. Ancient Stone, Knowledge of the Elders. So because Min draws so many cards, she can potentially actually do quite a bit of damage if she's able to get it with a whole bunch of charges on it. That can be a really cool card for her. Yeah. I think, um, I forget who it was. Was it one of you guys played that and did like a crap load of damage with it? Yeah, I played a Min deck that used that in combination with like drawing thin before it got tabooed and uh other other stuff to do lots of, lots of damage though now that the um the lexicon is out <laughs> that's another thing that accomplished really well with the stone that's true yeah so it's, it's very strong the only downside is like the like you cycle through her deck a couple times and stone uh is kind of hard to you have to play something over it because it doesn't discard itself but otherwise oh yeah you have to like try to or to like try to get a crypt chill or something <laughs> or alternatively it is also a hand slot so like when you draw a key in yellow you have to choose between like the stone and uh whatever other item you have and <laughs> rough it's usually yeah. that other item <laughs> but <laughs> but but that definitely is good and just just so that people don't think that we're obsessed with melteroni to the exclusion of all other upgraded seeker cards we've now mentioned an archaic glyphs and a guiding stone so far in this episode so we you know they, they they can be good sometimes takes the right character yeah and then just uh one other min card that i wanted to mention uh the new uh the pennant of the queen that you assemble out of three shards or whatever the segments of onyx yeah yeah the segments of onyx from uh, dream eaters so i haven't actually played with it yet but i think when we first looked at that card we said that the two decks to try it in would be like min or mandy i think because min is able to draw so much and because she benefits a lot from having question mark icons on a card I think that that actually would be a pretty cool min card to try. So uh, maybe maybe give that a try if you're making a min deck. Yeah, there's a new uh, thing that really works really well with it because a lot of the time when you draw so many cards with min, you just have to start discarding things, especially when you get the king, king in yellow and like literally you're constipated and you can't play anything. Oh yeah, the, the dream serum, right? Or something like that? Yes, the dream serum could be pretty good with her because you want to hold those those segments of onyx in your hand and maybe not necessarily commit them unless you absolutely need to, so it'll help with your hand size, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely cool. So what movie would, would Min star in? Uh, what, did we, what did we pick for this one? Probably another movie I have not seen, uh, but this one, this was the, out of all these, this was the most interesting sounding one uh yeah we have in the mouth of madness which is a actual lovecraftian uh, movie i think starring dad guy from jurassic park if you're uh if you're looking for like i want to watch all the lovecraft movies there really are not that many of them there's like this there's reanimator there's like um the new color out of space movie that's coming out soon okay let's remand that statement there are a ton of them but like (laughs) Four that are good. Well, okay, there, yeah, there are at least three Dagons. There are at least four Call of Cthulhu's that came out. Like, come on. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. So this movie is, uh, it's a late John Carpenter movie. It's one of the last of his kind of like peak period, I guess. It has Sam Neill in it, who's really great. I don't think the entire movie is great. I think that parts of it are very, very good. And other parts of it are just like, what is going on? But it's, if you enjoy Arkham Horror, you would probably enjoy this movie. And that's, it's one of the few movies that you can say that about with like really strong confidence. It's basically about a kind of Stephen King type author who writes a book so scary that it drives everyone insane. And Sam Neill is like an investigator who's hired to go up to New England and try to like find the the weird town where he lives and try to find out what's going on. It's really pretty incoherent, but it has a a few really amazing scenes. And overall, it has kind of a good like spooky, weird atmosphere. It's a very cool movie. I think the reason we picked it is because of that central plot point of like a book where if you read it, it makes you go insane and turn into a violent mutant. So kind of like The King in Yellow. Hey. Wait, why did we pick this one for Min and not for Daisy, who has like the Avocado? 
Well, that's that's not like it doesn't it doesn't like turn you into horrible things. You don't experience weird visions. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure you do experience weird visions, but it's definitely like the more Biakis crashing through windows and trying to murder you and things. We we had a no. We had a very real conversation, which you were a part of, about how do we distinguish movies for the three scared book ladies when they're <laughs> so incredibly similar, and this this is the best we could do. All right, let's let's move on to the next investigator. Let's do it. Let's move on to Ursula Downs. She is the explorer, easily the most exciting of all of the seekers. She boasts uh, three in will, four in intellect, a puny one in combat, but four in agility. Her investigator ability is that after she moves to a location, she takes an investigate action, limit once per round. She has seven health, seven sanity. Her deck size is normal 30. She can take... Seeker card 0 to 5, neutral card 0 to 5, and then relic cards level 0 to 4. Her signature is Jake Williams. He is a uh, less versatile, unexpected courage. <laughs> he has 3 health, 2 sanity. The first move or investigate action does not provoke attacks or opportunity. And then whenever you reveal a location or put out a new location into play, you exhaust him and draw a card. So gives you a little uh, called card draw engine there. Her weakness is called Call of the Unknown. You put it into play in your threat area, and then at the beginning of your turn, you have to investigate somewhere else, or you'll take two horror uh, and then shuffle it into your deck. So it's it's kind of rough in that way. You kind of have to mark a different place and, and kind of go find it, but she's really good at investigating. So it kind of isn't that bad. Yeah, it gets annoying in certain edge cases where, um, you know, you are you're not able to move for some... The encounter card makes it so you can't move this turn or something like that. There's a lot of ways yeah. that it can just, great, I'm going to take two horror. But most of the time, it's not that bad. Her weakness is one that I think uh, encourages like kind of creative, strategic gameplay when you get it out. Because you have to decide, oh, is this the turn I take two horror? Or can I like find a reason to move to this location and investigate it? That doesn't like just waste my whole turn. Yeah. yeah. So I like yeah. I kind of like her weakness in that aspect. It just, it, it can be, if you get unlucky and you keep drawing it after you shuffle it back in, you can find yourself in a pretty rough spot. But hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, the fact that it shuffles back in is rough. Yeah, that's not great. Yeah, so uh, Ursula. So what are what are Ursula's strengths? She likes to run around the map. She gets action compression every time she moves, assuming there's like a clue at wherever she moves to. It's it's definitely like the first two XP she gets is like two pathfinders, right? Oh yeah, like just yeah. Not even not even a question. And and has two shortcuts because let's be real. Yeah. So you know, sort of like the new tabooed Rex, she can potentially get an extra investigation each turn without having to spend an action, right? The difference is, you know, uh, Rex kind of gets it for free, but only if he succeeds when doing an investigation. Ursula has gets to do a test only if she moves, and only if she moves into a place with a clue. Depending on the way that the map is laid out, sometimes it is difficult to use Ursula's ability. Most of the time it's not, just the way that most scenarios are constructed. But occasionally you might be in a spot where there's 12 clues left, they're all in one location, we need to get them to finish the game, and you have to do some nonsense like Pathfinder out, Pathfinder back in, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it is kind of map dependent, but in general, her ability is very good. Yeah, I agree. The next thing is that her stats are all really good. Four in agility means that she can take care of herself by dodging enemies, leaving them in the dust while she runs away. Three in will is pretty great. It's it's not it's not incredible, but it's okay uh, to deal with most of the treacheries that you need to deal with. And her one in combat basically doesn't matter whatsoever because you just get Melteroni and have six in combat. So <laughs> having having one combat is actually great because it means that all of your kind of stat allocation points are spent on things that are more relevant to you if you're not actually fighting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, in terms of her weaknesses, she doesn't really have anything really bad. Her her weakness card is a little bit annoying. 
she is kind of map dependent on when she can use it. Uh, Relic cards, zero to four is sort of nice, but it's maybe not quite as nice as having like an entire subclass or something that she can draw cards from. Yeah, grotesque statues are mainly the the really big thing that are really great that she can play. Yeah, that's that's a big deal for sure. It's card pool dependent might become more valuable as it expands. For sure, it will. There's some fun stuff you can do with uh, archaeologist lady ally and like relics or stuff. Oh, Ellie, yeah. Ellie Horowitz. Yeah. <laughs> has uh has anyone tried we talk about this sometimes has anyone actually tried the like bow ursula thing where you use the ornate bow with her i've seen it happen before where she was carrying an ornate bow and ellie horowitz had another bow on her so <laughs> she was able to wow. to interesting have a uh, double bow action going which is kind of neat i think what's kind of tough is that with four intellect you really do want magnifying glasses out you want your hand slots to be boosting your intellect probably so i'm not sure i'd want to have a bow but in like a solo game then it might make a lot of sense so in terms of a so what kind of role can can ursula play this is kind of you know as we talk about all these secrets it's almost an even less interesting question than it was for the guardians because for pretty much all of them it's get a lot of clues right (laughs) but i i think that really is true and ursula can also maybe you know evade tanks and enemies or like especially in forgotten age she can maybe like slip away some enemies or something yeah that's what i was gonna say she has an alternative to handling enemies because her agility is high enough that she can reliably evade to get away get away from stuff that doesn't need to be melted yeah, or she can just get Melteroni and melt things, right? Well, I mean, well, she invades, moves, and then starts to investigate. You know, if she's done with the location, then that's that's great. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. So, and what what are some of her favorite cards? So, I think the number one is we already mentioned Pathfinder is like tops, right? And also Shortcut, which Dan mentioned. Any any other really great Ursula cards? There's a new tome that lets you move two spaces in one action. I don't think that's anywhere near as good as Pathfinder, and I probably wouldn't play it. But it, if you really just want to move as much as possible, you could play that. There's also that card Fieldwork, which when you move into a new location, you can exhaust it to get plus two on your next skill test. Mm, yeah, that one's solid for her, I think. It seems okay. It's a little expensive, uh, but it definitely kind of does what she wants to do, which is reward you for moving. So, What about the one that seals something as a relic? Is that any good? She can get the obol. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, that's the hallmark of Ursula. Everybody, yeah. get obol immediately because your team will never let you die. <laughs> she can make great use of it because seekers have a lot of stuff to spend xp on they have a lot of expensive cards like glimpsy unthinkable and um studious and in addition she has three willpower and four agility so she's a little bit more resilient to just being surprise killed by encounter cards yeah. than some other than some other people who can take the oval like for instance uh finn our, our old buddy finn maybe ursula yeah. because she has three will is a little bit safer and she can get the um what is it, the tooth? Can She could get that as a neck piece oh, to boost yeah. both those even more. And yeah, hard draw. Tooth of is great. That's a really solid card. She also can get the Hollowed Mirror, right? That's a relic. She can. Hollowed Mirror is pretty strong. She can do some little bit of support of, of healing and healing herself or her allies with that as well. She's definitely a very good candidate for solo because of this reason. Because she has a lot of flexibility in terms of like being able to dodge enemies and not necessarily be at a loss when they come back. Because she can always just dodge them again and then melt them when she gets Melteroni or whatever. Yeah, that definitely sounds pretty fun. So for the movie that we thought Ursula would star in, there was a movie uh, just a couple of years ago called The Lost City of Z, which is really, really good, which is about uh, British explorers searching south america for a fabled lost city and dealing with the hardships of you know the the environment down there pretty great movie uh really highly recommended the exploring is kind of ursula's thing so we we thought that she would fit right in in that kind of a that kind of a situation yeah for sure you know i was just gonna go with the default of like tomb raider because that's (laughs) the laura croft but starring angelina jolie 
the new <laughs> the new Tomb Raider movie I actually saw and it was like okay. It's but right. it, yeah. it was on a it was on an island in the Pacific, not in uh, not in like uh, Central or South America, so not not, not quite as good. Mm-hmm. And also, just in general, not nearly as good a movie, but it's fine. Yeah. So let's move on to the next one. Let's do it. Let's talk about Joe Diamond, the private investigator. Joey uh, D. Joe has yeah, Joey D. Joe has uh, or as we call him, Captain Hunch. Uh, so Joe's got uh, two willpower, four intellect, four combat, and two agility. Nice symmetrical stat line. So. The way Joe works is he has this hunch deck, which has insights in it. You you can put ten insight cards from your deck in it, plus the your weakness, which is also an, a, an insight card. And the way it works is at the beginning of each round, you shuffle that deck, and then you can look at the top card, and then you can play that at any time at minus two cost, as if it was in your hand. So it's kind of like you have this like random deck of insight cards, and each turn you get access to one of them, and you get to save money by playing it. And there's a lot of insights that cost exactly two resources, so you kind of get to play them for free, where otherwise they would cost money. So that's pretty cool. Um, he's also got eight health and six sanity, so kind of standard like fight E kind of stats. Uh, his deck size is 40, but... Part of those become the insight deck, so basically has the same deck size as everybody else. And in addition to all seeker cards, he gets guardian cards level 0 to 2. His unique cards, he has Detectives Colt 1911s. So this is a gun that takes up two hand slots, but it gives you two additional, or sorry, it says up to two tool assets you control do not take up hand slots. So it means you can have this out and you can have out like two magnifying glasses or something like that. And you can spend an ammo to fight and get plus one combat and plus one damage. If it defeats an enemy, you get to move an inside event from your discard pile to the bottom of your hunch deck. So when you kill things with it, it refills your hunch deck. His weakness is unsolved case. As I mentioned, it goes in the hunch deck. It costs four, but really it's going to cost you two because of the hunch discount. And it says, place one of your clues on the location of the highest shroud, remove unsolved case from the game. And basically, if it's still on top of your hunch deck at the end of the round, meaning you didn't play it, then you have to put it in your threat area. It stays there for the rest of the scenario, and you get two less XP at the end of the game. Completely blank and standalones. <laughs> yep, very, very <laughs> true. Uh, and which, which I think we've made good use of in the past. But, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I like Joe Diamond a lot. He's a very cool guy. I would say his big strength is just that he really can do both fighting and clue getting at like near top performance. Like he's very good at both of those two things. He has the stats for it. He has access to the cards for them. And that's great because those are two very important things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And his hunch deck is just so good. The hunch deck is really fun. It's a, it's like a fun little random thing where you're like, ooh, what do I get in my hunch deck this turn? And you get to look at it. It also, it's kind of a way of giving you access to more cards um, and saving some money. It's very fun. It, it kind of feels like there's a lot of insights in the game, but I, I kind of feel like the choice of which one to put in your hunch deck is not super interesting because there's some that are just very clearly the ones that you want to have in there. Um, in particular, like up- upgraded No Stone Unturned is like kind of the best. Anything that you can play that's fast is like really, really good because it means you'll always have time to play it. But it's definitely fun. I, I definitely enjoy, you know, playing the playing the Captain Hunch game uh, as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, he's just putting straight up really good secret cards in there, and Guardian cards as well. They both have very, very strong pools. Things like Working a Hunch, Sketches, Scene of the Crime, all this stuff is really, really good for getting clues. Yeah, like you can, once Joe is like fully upgraded, and that's one thing I did notice about Joe, because this was the character I played for our run through, uh, our first run through Circle Undone, he can spend a huge amount of XP. Because his deck is so big, he has 40 cards, because Seekers can generally have a lot of XP to spend anyway, he is just extremely hungry for XP and can spend like 80 of it, no problem. (laughs) But once you have, once you have the fully upgraded Joe, pretty much everything in your hunch deck is either draws you cards or gets you clues. 
and most of it is fast and free and it's just feels really really cool oh yeah but so i guess i would say that's really that joe's strength is yeah he can actually do fighting or clue getting very very well so he's probably good in solo although i haven't tried it he's also just great in a multiplayer game at being the guy that can easily switch to whichever role is needed and then i think also uh the hunches are just it's 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 very fun and it's like a cool kind of weird source of like almost card draw and almost money so those are definitely strengths um for weaknesses i think two will is not great especially in circle undone that was one thing i noticed a lot is you're just very vulnerable to encounter cards so that's definitely a weakness um i think also he's very pressured in terms of hand slots because he wants to play weapons and he also wants to play things like magnifying glasses so that's right having his unique item out gives him you know tools don't take up hand slots that helps but you can't rely on that all the time so luckily there is an item in the game that seekers can take which is basically a weapon that doesn't take up a hand slot and it's called melteroni and that is a really great card for joe so so <laughs> what, what i found was like playing joe's guns plus two acidic eckers plus maybe like one upgraded 45 and then like fingerprint kits and magnifying glasses and you're basically fine because usually you're not actually using up hand slots for guns. You're usually just using Melteronis instead. Right. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Strengths and weaknesses for Joe? I mean, I, I agree with most of what you said. I, think, I feel like he covered a lot of it. I don't know. Is, is uh, interesting, fun deck building a strength? I don't know. Like the, the insight <laughs> deck is definitely a fun, interesting thing to kind of build around. It's like, oh, these cards I wouldn't maybe use in a regular deck, but I throw them in the insight deck. Yeah. I guess it's not a mechanical strength though. So <laughs> I think, I think another kind of strength is that unsolved case is, I mean, losing two XP is really annoying and doesn't feel good, but if that's the worst thing that can happen to you because of your weakness, then you're better off than a lot of other investigators. Yeah. It's also not in your main deck, which is huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, you're, you're never going to, like, draw it. So, yeah, we, we've talked about how Joe can really play either role or, like, a kind of flexible hybrid. He's pretty strong. I think he's not going to be one of the best, like, pure fighting guys because it's kind of a waste to not take advantage of all of his Seeker stuff. So maybe you don't want to be like, I'm going to just go pure fighting, no clues with him, but you probably could if you wanted to. Joe's favorite cards. Can anyone think of favorite cards for Joe that we haven't already talked about? Did we mention No Stone Unturned in his hunch deck? Yeah, that's a pretty great one because he gets it for free, right? He doesn't have to pay the two. Yeah. Any, like any, any card that's an insight that like costs two or is fast or both yeah. is like really good in his hunch deck. Also, in midway through Circle Undone, he got his favorite ally, which is definitely Alice. Alice is so fun with Joe to play because you can yeah working a hunch and ping somebody for one damage and then shoot somebody for two damage and it's like perfect. Alice works yeah. extremely well in Joe. He has a lot of ways to trigger her reaction ability and he also kind of needs the plus intellect, so she's definitely great. Nothing wrong with Mr. Rook either, but yeah, Alice is definitely really strong. Yeah, for sure. The static intellect boost is great. So for the movie that we thought Joe would, would star in, uh, kind of easy he's definitely playing on the kind of like a hard-boiled raymond chandler private investigator kind of a trope so uh we picked the maltese falcon there it is great movie where a lot of these kind of like tropes about the the private investigator motif are from we, we kind of thought about there have been some attempts that you kind of like take that genre and kind of push it a little bit more into the occult of like have actual kind of spooky cthulhu stuff in there and i don't really know of any stuff like that that's actually really really good so I would say just go straight to the source and watch the uh, watch one of the original movies that kind of like cemented this this idea in everyone's brain. Noir, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I just think of him as uh, he's like Mulder to uh, Scully. Roland Scully, right? Yeah, for sure. No, but he 
there's a huge difference. He doesn't work. He's not a Fed. He doesn't work for the FBI. He's a he's a freelancer. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's true. But I don't know. That's that's the pairing, their dynamic. I imagine. All right. Fair fair enough. Moving on to uh, our next seeker, uh, Mandy Thompson from the Dream Eaters. She's the researcher. For her stats, she has three willpower, five intellect, one combat, three agility. I'll go kind of fast through this because we just talked about her just a month or two ago when we were talking about the Dream Eaters investigators. But uh, whenever she, whenever an investigator at her location would search their deck, she can do this once per round. She can either let them look at three additional cards or resolve a target twice, which basically means in most cases, you know, if it says search X cards and take one, instead you get to take two. And she has this weird deck creation thing that uh, I basically ignore. She has a 30 card deck size. And she can she has the weird off class thing where she can pick either mystic rogues or survivors, so she has kind of a lot of flexibility. I don't think it really matters a whole lot. Uh, Mandy's fantastic. She's really, really, really great. Um, her unique card is occult evidence, which is a research ability where if you find it while searching your deck, you get to basically activate it without having to actually draw it or count it as the thing that you're searching for, and you just immediately get a clue at your location. And then her weakness, Shocking Discovery, is a blunder. I think Is this the first blunder we've seen? Blunder? Uh, might, might be. I wonder if Tommy's weakness is a blunder. Anyway, blunder. Um, so it's kind of you know similar to Occult Evidence. If you find it while searching, then it kind of triggers, and you have to discard it and draw the top card of the encounter deck. If you find it by drawing, which you hoped not to do, then you just shuffle it back in, and you kind of wasted your draw. So, oh, uh, we have seen a blunder before, Dan. Oh yeah, in everybody's favorite rogue. <laughs> oh, uh, is is it uh, is it Finn? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's caught right-handed. Uh, blunder nice yeah it's a a couple of treacheries that have it too but yeah and tommy so shocking discovery actually does kind of suck because drawing an encounter card is not great it's like half of an overzealous so you know kind of a rough weakness i don't know what do you guys think are the are mandy's strengths and weaknesses it's rough because at least when you're playing her you seem to go through her deck like three or four times oh yeah yeah, she has such crazy insane card draw uh (laughs) (laughs) no not not draw ben searching Oh, okay. Yeah, right. It's w- even better than draw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like you see your you see your random basic weakness and you just laugh seventy five percent of the time because it's gonna get shuffled away. <laughs> I just think about how like uh when people who have like played magic would like look at Netrunner, they'd look at a card like Diesel, which is like I forget what the magic card is, but it's like, oh yeah, just draw three cards and it doesn't cost anything. Ancestral recall, yeah. And, yeah, and it like breaks their brains a little bit because it's like, wait, you can just draw three cards for nothing. If if you told, I feel like if you could make a magic deck where you just never really needed to draw cards because you could just always search your deck all the time and get all the cards that you need whenever you want multiple <laughs> times per turn, I feel like it would just break people's brains. Like it, decks should not be allowed to be this good. It's it's kind of it. it my brain is broken. It's breaking right now even more. <laughs> it's not even just the fact that she can search literally every single turn for not one but two cards. Oh yeah. She can. She has the best stats in the game for for what she needs to be doing. She's she's great at getting clues just by investigating. She's pretty resilient to encounter cards because of three will and three agility. And oh yeah, she can just use Mister Rook to look at the top nine cards of her deck and take two of them per turn. And that's oh yeah, that's yeah. just pretty incredible. Plus, you play enough of the research cards on top of Eureka's. Yeah, yeah. You also have Eureka's. You have No Stone on turns. You have her Elder Sign. You just you have such a huge influx of cards, and they're cards that you picked that you wanted to, to find it's you there's a little bit of a meta game of like managing her weakness because that is really annoying but uh yeah no she's mandy's really great yeah for weaknesses i think 
the fact that there's like a trap on the back of her card where she kind of like invites you to try making a 50 card deck which you should never do is kind of a weakness <laughs> i think the fact that you do have to draw an encounter card from shocking discovery every time you go through her deck is definitely a weakness there's mathematical reasons as to why you should not build a 50 card mana deck yeah. a 40 card mm-hmm. mana deck however i think mm-hmm. may be plausible because of the, how much you draw Dan's making the like uh, the face where he's like, uh, yeah, I guess, but he's really, he's thinking in his head. No, <laughs> you completely <laughs> what are you, what are you, wrong. I'm wrong. trying to be nice here, but no. so wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I I feel I feel strongly about this. I mean, I think we talked about it when we first talked about Mandy, the 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 math reason, right? Yeah, yeah, I think we we already went over that. Can you summarize it with a one statement uh, math theorem or whatever the words are? <laughs> Yeah, the, the 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 Daniel theorem that I invented. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, the other, <laughs> the other. Um, I think another weakness, honestly, is that. Uh, so some of these secrets, if they have enough like other fun stuff to do, they can distract you from your job, which is to get clues all the time. And Mandy can kind of be in the situation sometimes where you're like, okay, I really want to calling in favors my Mr. Rook so that I can play Mr. Rook again and then look at even more cards. And sometimes it's like, well, yes, Dan, that would be really fun, but actually, we really need to get clues this turn. Um, so you're mad with power i I should say i am i'm great at this i'm really good at this game so i always you know i have the the willpower and the wisdom to set aside my dreams of playing a second mr rook and like get clues in this turn i think you're lying here i think uh i think you just always play call your favorites get rook out like sometimes there's a rook with one charge on it and like like you're trying to figure out how you can use that charge before rook dies horribly this turn when you have zero cards left in your deck because you wanted to kill him before you cycle the deck but also use the charge up it might seem that way to you ben but behind the scenes in my brain i'm always constructing rounds ahead of time the perfect i'm architecting like the perfect plan to make sure everything works out great so don't don't even worry about it i got it covered oh okay you guys should try playing Mandy. I, I know that I always monopolize her when we're playing. Yeah, we, we're, we're unable to play Mandy because you <laughs> insist on playing her or whatever. I'll, I'll take a break. I'll play something that's else. That's a weakness. Like, yeah, 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 that's the real weakness is that Dan is always playing Mandy, so no one else gets to do it. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm playing, I'm playing Mandy in a two-person run through the Dream Eaters. And I think that one of Mandy's super great inherent strengths is the fact that her deck building is so unique. Um, so Dan kind of glossed over it, but she, at deck creation, can choose Mystic, Rogue, or Survivor, and add cards level 0 to 1, events and skills of your chosen secondary class, to her deck. This means that she can play, she can really tech for how big her party is, so to speak. Like, if there's four people, she'd probably just want to go more raw investigate, and I think that Survivor would probably have the most access to this, just out of things like winging it and i guess if you want to play fortuitous discovery or look what i found things like that i i usually yeah i usually go survivor and i usually play like one winging it and one look what i found or some close permutation of that kind of but i think that like if you really wanted to go rogue rogue is also a really good option if you're especially at lower player counts because you get like access to slip away you get access to intel reports you get access to um all these things that allow you to be incredibly slippery and and not not able to be caught by enemies that really help her stay alive um her six health and eight sanity also a testament to just her being really resilient to a lot of different things uh and i I think yeah so in terms of like the role that she can play yeah she's like a lot of these other secrets she's great at getting clues i guess maybe other stuff too but uh mostly just clues 
And then uh, her favorite cards. So the number one favorite card, except no substitutes. If anyone else in your group tries to play this card, uh, just tell them to to jump off a bridge is uh, our good buddy, Mr. (laughs) Quote Rook, unquote, uh, which is the best possible Mandy card. Any efficient, relatively good, efficient card that lets you search for stuff like Eureka or No Stone Unturned is also pretty good. And then just kind of like standard good seeker cards as well. I think those are really like the the, the favorite Mandy cards. Did I miss anything? Uh, it is possible that you can encourage other people you're playing with to play cards at search, and then you can trigger her ability on those people too. Sorry, what can... now? <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 your microphone. <laughs> I feel like your microphone was just generating like, random noises. <laughs> so what could we have like prepared for the worst, you know, and then you know help them get? Oh them yeah, or, or, or an on the hunt. Out. Yeah, yeah, right. Like uh, <laughs> yeah. someone, someone. I mean, no one but would actually be up, this insane, up. but someone could play an on the hunt to search the encounter deck and find an enemy, and then they could ask you to. Uh, they could beg you, and in fact, they'd make a whole scene out of it of begging you to use Mandy's ability, <laughs> so they could find two enemies. But I can't imagine anyone ever being crazy enough to do that. So, so. Zoe could do it, so she could smite two enemies. <laughs> you know, get two money. Yeah, absolutely. The real answer to the Mandy cards that I forgot is you can also play research cards like Astounding Revelation those can be good we might see more of those in the future i hope it'd be cool to see some more research cards so. i thought you hated that because every time you play her you end up with three of them in your opening hands I, I have had extremely bad luck with that recently but it's still i you know it's small sample size you have to make decisions not based on anecdotes but based on numbers you know it's still good to have in your deck <laughs> it's yep for similar reasons to min i think that she really likes uh dream enhancing serum because of the fact that she just draws so many cards doubles of cards in her hand would uh she could draw even more cards and keep more of them that's true the other card that i did want to mention though i don't think any of us have tested it is Otherworld codex she can kind of almost make better use out of it in in a way than mandy or than daisy can because of the fact that she can choose two targets when she's searching the top nine cards of the deck she could actually choose like if there's one enemy in play she can search like or, or there's two different enemies in play she could search two different enemies from the top of the encounter deck and discard like two copies of something which is pretty cool it's true i think that card's still kind of like a big question mark that we haven't really figured out how good it is and how to use it yet but that's definitely a possibility where that could be pretty good for mandy certainly and then uh so the movie that mandy should star in so mandy the the best investigator in the game or one of the best ones we chose what dane and i at least feel is the most arkham files movie ever made or at least the the most arkham files good movie ever made the mummy uh from 1999 starring brennan fraser which is a fantastic movie yeah starring one of the worst actors in history we've tried to get ben to to watch it but he can't get over his like insane fixation he's, he's so bad on hating brendan fraser who's great in the movie by the way Ugh. but it's it's just it's like the exact it's like a blend of like pulp adventure and horror in a very close mixture to what the game is it's funny it's scary it's great it's really well shot just a great all-around movie uh if you haven't seen it or if you uh saw it a while ago and thought it was just some random crap go back and watch it again we picked it because uh rachel vice's character in the movie is a lady that read books that reads books and goes on adventures and she's uh uh one of the kind of like a scared book lady heroine in the best possible way so that's that's who we were thinking is uh kind of like a, a similar to mandy huge asterisk here do not and i mean do not for the your sanity other people's sanity see the tom cruise remake of the moment <laughs> 
<laughs> Dan, I, I tried to warn Dan as he was walking into the movie theater to not see that movie because I knew it oh, was yeah, going to be went, terrible. I went to go see that with Yeah, Dan. yeah. You know what's really funny <laughs> it is that it was me and Ben walking into the movie theater because I brought him to go see it. It <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't terrible. It was like stupid and not very good. But look, the, the dark dark bad. universe was a very promising idea. I'm very disappointed that they made that first movie so bad that it screwed up the chances of the whole thing working. That could have been really neat. But no, fine. We'll just all go see like three Marvel movies a year for the rest of our lives. That's better, right? I think it's actually four now. So it's great. Oh God, really? Four times I like, terrible, <laughs> terrible. Awful. Four times I go to the movies every year. So, no, I, I will agree with what Dane said. Don't watch the new Mummy movie, but maybe I've heard that the side-scrolling video game based on it is, like, weirdly pretty good. And also, watch The Mummy Returns, the sequel to The Mummy, which is even even stupider than the original movie and very fun. <laughs> like, the first one but is, like... equally as great. The first one is, like, legitimately great. The second one is, like, very, very fun and stupid. Uh, but they're both, they're both <laughs> yeah. classics, so... They're both great mid '90s, early 2000s action adventure movies that deserve to be. I thought you wanted to recommend to our listeners like decent movies to watch. And no, what look? look, What else? What else are you? The Mummy and the Page Master and other other garbage. Look, are you gonna are you gonna log on to Netflix and watch like The King starring Timothy Chalamet about some old English king and pretend that you're like, oh wow, I must be really smart because I appreciate this movie. Like, no, watch The Mummy. The Mummy's great. (laughs) Didn't you make me watch most of a like black and white, completely in Spanish satel movie that you said was the greatest movie ever? Or something that was also really good, but that doesn't really—I don't know if that directly correlates to any of our Arkham Files investigators. Mm. But all right, well, speaking of old people, let's move on to the last. <laughs> speaking of old things, <laughs> yes. the last investigator, uh, a last seeker that it's has been me, released so far. Norman Withers. Yeah, Norman <laughs> Withers, the astronomer. Uh, he is not wide released because he's only available from the novellas which are extremely hard to come by uh you have to be uh on top of uh when they become available on sale or know the guy who knows the guy at your store to pick one up um obviously we all have them but uh <laughs> <laughs> you gotta uh but not everyone has access to him yet you gotta hurry before he dies but uh he, he <laughs> is uh a four wheel five intellect two combat one agility investigator so he's Got the brains, but not necessarily the physical uh, physique anymore. But uh, his deal is he gets to play with the top card of his deck revealed. And once per round, he can play that card from the top of his deck as if it was in his hand for one less resource. But if the top card on his deck is a weakness, he's uh, immediately forced to draw it. And uh, he has an Elder Sign effect. I'm sure it does something strategic. But uh, his deck building is, uh, he's got the standard 30, he's got Seeker... Cards level zero only, Mystic one to five neutral cards, and then five level zero Mystic cards. So he's he's almost kind of like in a way more of a Mystic than a Seeker, right? Like yeah. level zero. Alert. Alert! We are no longer talking about Seekers of Arkham Horror. <laughs> All right, that's the end of the episode. Oh, I, Bye, this everybody. man is a lie. Yeah. yeah, he's he's sneaky. He starts as a Seeker, and he as he upgrades, he becomes a Mystic. Thematically, very cool. Yeah. yeah. But just real quick, his his special cards are he has some type of uh, cross between guts and perception called split the angle. <laughs> no, it, it's a it's an asset he can play that lets him look at the top card of the encounter deck, and then you can exhaust it to put that card at the to discard the top card of his deck to put the encounter card at the bottom of his deck. Uh, very complex, uh, not that great in my opinion. And then he has a vengeful hound as his weakness, which is an enemy. Uh, that while it's engaged with him, he cannot draw or reveal cards via player effects. I thought it also turned off his ability somehow. I guess not. 
Yeah, it says you cannot draw oh, or reveal cards via player right, effects, right. So, which means that it turns right, out. Right, so he can't reveal the top card of his deck, right, yeah. I'm kind of disappointed that the Hound of Tindalos in this art is like kind of an actual skeleton dog or something. Because I, I thought that one of the cool things is like, ha- they're called hounds because they follow you, but really they're just like a weird cluster of triangles or something, right? I thought that was how it was supposed to be described. Uh, yes. The, I think the Arkham Files version has a little bit more physical form. that They just have yeah. a lot of triangles in their body. I guess that's but true. But this one's like a skeleton because it's also like a really old hound, right? Because it's it's must be vengeful from some time like Norman. in Norman's young yeah. past. I don't know. I think it's featured in the book, which I have not read the book because uh, that would be extremely dangerous, obviously. But uh, yeah, strengths. Strengths. Uh, access to level zero secret cards, five intellect. So just baseline, he's going to be able to get clues. I think uh, there's not really a whole lot of actual power going on in like his ability or his unique card i think they help him play things uh cheaper which is really great when you can get like magnifying glass out for zero it's kind of cool that's true mr rook out for two is pretty cool if you can build his deck so that you can almost always play the top card of his deck that's card draw effectively right that's a good point. yeah exactly and i think originally when when we saw mr rook this guy was who we had in mind because it was a shuffle ability oh, yeah. that you're able to use to, to reveal a different card. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, you're right. His his ability actually is pretty good because every turn that you use it, you're kind of getting a card and a resource. So even if you trigger it like right. half the time, that actually is pretty strong. But in terms of weaknesses, I mean, low agility is the obvious one. But even more than that, I think uh, not being able to upgrade seeker cards actually kind of sucks. Like, Mystic cards are fine, and I'm sure he can get some, you know, with four will, he can definitely get some use out of those, but just not being able to get things like Studious, uh, Cryptic Research, Glimpse the Unthinkable, the upgraded research cards, any of those, uh, that's a real downside. Yeah, and I think the, I think the Mystic cards, those cards tend to be, like, more resource-intensive to, to play, so, but him, him being able to pick them up and then play them for cheaper off the top of his deck is, like, pretty alright. But he also can get access to like the Mystic cards that let him manipulate the, his deck or the encounter deck, which I think is something people like to do with him. Oh yeah, forgetting the name, like the basic one that we usually hate is like a is a spell that lets him like manipulate his own deck. Oh yeah, you uh scrying, scrying, yeah, upgraded yeah. scrying uh is like kind of alright for him. You you mentioned split the angle a little bit, Ben. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, this is an example of a card that like seems cool until you realize that you have to spend an action to to do it. Like I at yeah. first when I looked at it, I thought it was the other way around. I thought that you got to look at the top card of the encounter deck for free, but then you had to spend an action to actually like get rid of it. And if that was the case, I think it would be cool. But it's just that a lot of times you're not going to have a spare action. You need to spend most of your actions getting clues or moving or doing things. You you just can't afford to be doing this every turn. You're not going to get anywhere. I mean, if you're using something that lets you look at the encounter deck for free, like isn't upgraded scrying a free trigger or something? Oh yeah, that's true. You could use that in combo yeah. with split the angle and then maybe delay the top card. I don't know stuff that like puts things in the bottom of the encounter deck. I think we usually don't find as strong, but that's also because we're usually playing like three four player and you don't you go through the whole encounter deck like once or twice a game in that. But in yeah. lower player counts setting someone to the bottom of the counter deck might just mean you never see it that's the game yeah there there might actually be like a pretty cool norman deck like i almost feel like we've been kind of underestimating it there might be a kind of a cool norman deck that's like maybe you do actually play upgraded scrying just so you can look at the top and maybe occasionally you can knock an ancient evils off of there maybe you do upgrade to like upgraded shriveling and stuff and you can actually use it because he has high will like he might actually be a little bit better than we're giving him credit for i've honestly never played him so i'm really not sure 
he does yeah his stats are good for for both casting spells and for investigating and he can get he can get Hewitt's key yeah and be at five will six I mean, that's that's great one right? item i mean as as long as you don't draw any uh what's the corset card where it's test agility three and take a damage for each you fail by as long as you don't draw that too often <laughs> you, you know oh, yeah, no. this this man has the physical match of a small toddler he has ward for that you know uh, <laughs> yeah i mean because he does have deny existence now too yeah because oh, yeah. we make fun of larry anderson for being slow and having one agility this guy's the same in the same boat but uh yeah i don't know I, I i guess yeah in terms of role definitely he can get clues i'm not really sure whether he can i guess he could kind of step into a mystic role of like flexible flexibility with like clue getting and shriveling probably so that's kind of neat that's something it takes a while though yeah like once he's got a ton of xp he definitely needs a lot of xp i think um and then yeah favorite cards so yeah maybe like scrying level two i think is is the one that kind of stands out and just in general like i think that maybe his um i think that maybe his top of deck thing pushes you towards wanting cards that like cost one just because then you're always you know like like you'd rather play you like instead of emergency cash if there was a card that was like pay one get four you'd rather play that in him than emergency cash right just because yeah Right. I mean, similar to uh, Joe, like it, you want cards that you can always like trigger the ability off of. So yeah, as you said, fast or cheap cards so you usually can play it. And also, and just cards that like you don't want to like maybe draw and hold in hand for a while. Cards that you want to be able to like yeah. play whenever you see them. So I'm not sure we mentioned, but like the two cards that are with him are not going to be his cards that come out when he's whenever he's officially released. Those are uh, some type of book I can't pronounce. Don't, don't let him read him. <laughs> don't don't read him. Don't read him, Ben. And uh, another word I usually can never say correctly. So I'm not. I don't know why I brought this up. This is just. <laughs> but that that could change up his gameplay depending on what those do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see those because um, yeah, it if he had like a pretty good signature card and like a weakness that wasn't very scary, that might kind of make a difference to making him a little bit, uh, someone that we think is a slightly stronger investigator. But yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe he's actually not that bad. Yeah, no, I don't think he's bad at all. Yeah. I just haven't played him in a while. Slap a key on this guy and this guy is a monster at getting clues and things. Dane, what's, what's the movie that we thought would be that Norman Withers would star? I thought we wanted community, the movie and this guy's Pierce, right? Like, (laughs) Um, is that the only television show you've ever watched that had an old person in it maybe (laughs) we were we wanted something like contact that dealt with like being an astronomer and looking to the stars and and seeing weird things but uh, we weren't completely sure of something that would have to do with being kind of like a guy who may be going insane or experiencing weird visions or things like that Maybe a movie about exploring the cosmic truths uh, of the universe and, you know, the, the, the nature of, of reality. Right, right. We, we thought of a lot of different titles, but ultimately came, it came down to one very small, very insignificant movie <laughs> called K-Pax. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, which is a fascinating, uh, like, insane movie. Definitely, I, I don't want to recommend that people like rent it because I don't think we want to give Kevin Spacey money anymore. But if you happen to find <laughs> yeah, a DVD yeah. of it lying on the ground, maybe <laughs> maybe maybe pop it in and take a spin around Capex because it's a very strange movie. It is a very strange movie, and I remember like there are times where I leave I leave a movie theater kind of in like in, in interest and awe and like kind of from from mostly slow burns do this but this movie just i left and i was just so unbelievably baffled i just watched a 50 minute documentary about like geometry as it pertains to like the kitchen or something i it it made no sense to me (laughs) and 
there was like no resolution, but there was, and there was just a lot of strange things happening in this movie. But for all those reasons, I think that if you find it on the street somewhere, or if some strange vendor finds you and wants to trade you it for your foil Charizard or something, please check it <laughs> Go out. Go to like Indonesia or something and buy like a pirated copy of it from like a street vendor, and then Kevin Spacey won't get any money. Yep, K K Pax starring Norman Withers. That's our that's our pick. With all that said, guys, we can finally wrap this episode up. I know it's been much longer than our normal episode runnings. It's okay. I think everyone listens to us at like 1.5 speed, so we're we're fine. (laughs) Listeners, how do you feel about The Seekers of Arkham? Are there any movies that you feel might be more appropriate for each of these investigators? Which of these movies should Ben definitely watch? All of them. Wait. (laughs) How many of these should Ben watch? One? Five? Every single one in this series? Ding, 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 ding. Comment and vote. Wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at comments at mur.fm. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I was not aware there was going to be a poll. Bye. (laughs) All right, bye. Well, I mean it, uh, well, I mean it, uh,